Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. Another Monday. Can you believe it? We're halfway through, we're more than halfway through September. But I'm so glad you're here with us today because today we have a returning guest, Hank Philippi Ryan. She's a USA Today bestseller. I think last time she was on, she had just gotten that moniker, so it was very exciting. (laughs) If you haven't read her yet, you're in for a huge treat. And I'll read her bio here so you can get to know her. She's really, she's fantastic. So Hank Philippi Ryan is a USA Today selling author of 13. Thrillers winning the most prestigious awards in the genre, five Agathas, four Anthonys, and the coveted Mary Higgins Clark Award. She is also an air investigative reporter for Boston's WHDH-TV with 37 Emmys and dozens more journalism honors. Book critics call her a master of suspense a superb and gifted storyteller, and she's the only author to have won the Agatha in four different categories, Best First, Best Novel, Best Short Story, and Best Nonfiction. Her latest book, Her Perfect Life, just came out September 14th, and it received starred reviews from Kirkus and Publishers Weekly, which called it a superlative thriller. Hank is the founder of the MWA University and The Backroom, and National Sisters in Crime past president. I did put her website link there, right there on the Blog Talk site. If you're listening live or if you're listening later, you can hop over there, sign up for her newsletter, check out all the great content over there. She's also on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and those links are there as well, so you can get all connected. And I don't want to delay anymore. Hank, you there? I'm right here listening to your wonderful, in, wonderful introduction. It's uh, always <laughs> I'm in I'm in the middle of writing a new book, and just in that time when all of us who are writing think, oh, I'm not sure I can do it again this time. And when I when you when you say those wonderful words, I think, okay, well, maybe there's a possibility it worked before, and right. it maybe could work maybe again. I have that same feeling and there's a point in the book usually in the middle where I think why did I think this was a good idea and I always think back to Nora Roberts had posted a blog a few years ago and she had over 120 books or something and she was struggling through the middle of a book and said you know sometimes I think maybe the rest were luck and I thought wow if that happens to Nora Roberts then we are all fine No, you're so right. I completely agree with you. I have this sort of ritual that I didn't realize was a ritual. Just at that same time in every book, that muddle in the middle, um, I go to my husband and I say, oh, sweetheart, you know, I'm not sure I can do this. I think I forgot how to write a book, and I don't know who wrote those other ones, but I certainly can't do this. And he says, honey, you always say that. And I said, well, that could be true. I say, yes, but... This might be the time. This, time. this might be the time that I really can't do it. And he says, "You always say that too." And I, it's so. Re- and I think, okay, I guess so. It's it's so reassuring to hear that we all. I mean, isn't that one of the things that bring brings us together? I mean, I'll tell you the funniest thing about it. I, I was stuck in the middle, and I teach a class uh-huh. called "The Muddle in the Middle." I teach a class on it, where I have dozens of. 
I have dozens of tricks and uh, <laughs> bits of advice and you know, ideas and secrets for getting yourself out of the middle. So I'm sitting there staring at my screen at 66,000 words saying, oh, I have no idea. And so then I thought, Hank, why don't you just look at the notes of what you teach your classes about what about what to do in the middle? And by golly, if I didn't do, I did one of the things. And I thought, oh, I just helped myself. I just took my own class. So sometimes right? we need to listen to our own brains and instead of being so panicking, realize that we do know what to do. We just have to think of it. Exactly. That is that is so true. And and I love that uh, we're not alone because so often when we're writing and we're in the cave, we feel alone. And oh. it's nice to – I'm always so glad to do this podcast once a week because I hear from other writers, other genres, you know, and we all have those same – kind of issues so it's not you and it's not that you don't know how it's just normal process <laughs> you know i i read a i read an article about thomas edison once where you know he was the one who obviously came tried 106 things or something before he figured out that tungsten is what would work in a light bulb 106 things oh my god and wow. apparently someone said to him once Oh, Mr. Edison, you know, that must be so frustrating, or however they would talk at the time. That must have been so frustrating to go through 106 things. And he, he reportedly said, well, no, I think that's great. Now there, are, now there I know of 106 things that don't work. So that's another <laughs> right. way to look at it. But he yes, had a great sure. quote. He had a great quote, Edison did, that said, when you think you have exhausted all of the possibilities, remember this. You haven't. And that's, isn't that so reassuring? It's just that yes. it's not that you can't solve the problem. It's just that you haven't thought of the answer yet. And it will come. Right, right. It's out there. We just haven't grabbed it yet. Exactly. <laughs> well, can you tell everybody about her perfect life and, and uh, why they should go grab it this week? <laughs> no pressure. It's just my career. Right, that's no why. pressure. No. Yeah, um, just go grab it this week. <laughs> It's so much, you know, as you so sweetly said, it got starred reviews from Kirkus and from Publishers Weekly, which was quite the moment. I got a an email from my editor with the subject line, are you sitting down? That was the subject line. And I opened it up to see it. those two starred reviews, and that was great. So it's interesting, Lisa, because to talk about a thriller, a psychological thriller like Her Perfect Life is, is a little difficult without giving it away, but I think I figured right. out a way. There was a, okay. a challenge. There was a challenge on Twitter that said, "Can you describe your book in five words?" So I thought, "Okay, I'll try that." And that actually, for writers, is kind of an in- interesting exercise because it does force you to distill your book to the essence of the book, and you really—it's really revelatory about what the book is really about. So, which is interesting. So I came up with sisters, betrayal. Guilt, fame, and revenge. And that is her perfect life. Sisters, betrayal, guilt, fame, and revenge. And as for the story, there was a similar challenge that said, describe the story of your novel in five phrases. So I have a reporter so celebrated, she's called Perfect Lily, but she has a dark secret a missing college student, and that is not the secret, 
an anonymous <laughs> news source, a passionate clandestine weekend in Aspen, and a child's little pink suitcase that is shockingly empty. So basically, Lily Atwood is the main character of the story, a reporter named Lily Atwood, um, who is so celebrated that everybody knows who she is, and that is her biggest problem. Lily Atwood has fame and fortune and Emmys, and she's the single mother to an adorable seven-year-old daughter, but she also has a big, dark secret, and she's worried someone is about to tell it. But the problem, she discovers, is how do you keep a secret when you're always in the spotlight? And she realizes that the spotlight may be the most dangerous place of all. So bottom line, two strong women face off in a high-stakes psychological cat-and-mouse game to prove their truth about a devastating childhood betrayal. But which woman is the cat and which woman is the mouse? And can anyone ever have a perfect life? And that is her perfect life. Oh, I love it. It sounds fantastic. And when I was poking around before the interview around your website and things, I saw that she is, you know, a a big television reporter, and I know that's your background. And so I was immediately wondering, you know, how much of you is inside of her? Well, it's such a good question. I mean, I've been a television reporter for 43 years now. I'm still on the air here in Boston. And oh, I've you started when you were two. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good answer. Good answer. Um, I've wired myself with hidden cameras and confronted corrupt politicians and chased down criminals and gone undercover and in disguise. And so all of those elements, all of those real life experiences, of course, go into my books. But my books, my television stories made into fiction. But what they are is the authenticity and the reality and the genuine experiences that I've had. And her perfect life really came from two very specific experiences that I can tell you very quickly. One, when I was starting in, when I was starting in television back in the 70s, I was a newbie reporter, but I'd been on the air in Indianapolis, my hometown, for, gosh, maybe six or eight months. And I went to the laundromat. That's how glamorous my life was. Right. I went to the laundromat, and someone came up to me at the, in the laundromat. A woman came up to me in the laundromat and said, aren't you Hank Phillippe from TV? And I said, yeah, hi. You know, and she said, oh, I have a great story for you. Let me tell you all about this. And so... Right then, here in the laundromat, laundromat, I was trying to do my wash my clothes, and this woman came up to me and was talking to me. And on one hand, we ask people to, I ask people to call me. You know, do you have a story? Do you have a news idea? Tell me about it. I'd like to do a story about it. Would you like to be a source? All those kinds of things. So I, I engage, I love to engage with people like that. And somebody might tell me the next Watergate or the next big story. So. I'm eager to hear the story. There's no question about it. On the other hand, I was balancing it with, I'm in the laundromat, okay? You know, right. I just do my laundry. So I, I, I went home, and I called my mom, and I was, golly, I think I was 26 or so. I called my mom, and I said, can you believe it, Mom? I was whining. Can you believe it, Mom? Somebody came up to me in the laundromat, and they're trying to talk to me. And my mother paused for a moment. And she said, listen, sweetheart, 
you chose the spotlight. Welcome to the spotlight. And I don't ever mm-hmm. want to hear you complain about it again. And that was 40 years ago. I, and I remember the sound of her voice telling me that because what right. good advice that was. And I was thinking mm-hmm. about that in writing this book is that, yes, people know who the main character Lily Atwood is. Lily Atwood is a million times more more famous than I'll ever be, but she's incredibly famous. And so everybody knows who she is. And so, and she requests, she wants people to give her stories. So, of course, they're going to talk to her. So where is that line? Where is that privacy line? And at what point, right. how do you deal with people who, you know, you've asked them to talk to you, but you can't, and you can't say, can you call me at the office? You can't do that because as a reporter, it might be a huge story. So that's one thing. There's that balance. The other thing, quickly, is when I was um, anchoring the news, the weekend news in Atlanta in the 80s, I, was ju- I had gotten off the, the 11 o'clock news, and I was driving home. It was about you know, after midnight on a Saturday night, and I turned the corner into my little street, Park Street in Atlanta, and there were police cars just all up and down the street, blue lights flashing, and I thought, wow, you know, crime scene. You know, maybe I stumbled onto a story. And then as I got mm-hmm. closer, it was clear that the that the police cars were at my house. And if there was a crime <gasps> scene, it was it was my oh, house. No. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so I, you know, I parked the car as fast as I could. I leaped out of the car, slammed the door, ran to the police officer, and I said, "I'm Hank from Channel 2." And he says, "Yeah, I know who you are." And I said, "Well, um, that's my house. That what's what's wrong? That's my house." And the police officer said, "We caught a burglar in your house." Someone had broken into your house, and that's him and the cruiser back there. We caught him, and he said he told us that he he told us that he broke into your house because he knew you were live on the air and knew you were not home, and that's why he did it. And I thought, oh my golly, you know, he knew where I was live on TV, right? So he so he knew where I wasn't. I wasn't home. And that was so disturbing and so chilling. And that, again, underscored the vulnerability of people who have public lives, that there are people Mm -hmm. who know where they are so they know where they're not. And then I started thinking about a reporter with a family. I mean, I lived in that house alone. But what if I had had children? What if I had, for instance, the way Lily Atwood does, um, a little daughter who who was home? So Lily, in the book, chose the spotlight. She's this famous reporter and all that comes with it. But her daughter didn't choose the spotlight. Little Rowan didn't choose the spotlight. Mm -hmm. And yet she's in it, too. And that is the essence of the story. How does a public person protect their child? And all of us are public people now. And Right. (laughs) And anyone who is a mom no matter what career or job they have or how their life is, wants to protect their children from, you know, from the problems that might emerge in their own lives. So that was the essence of her perfect life. Lily is trying to keep her perfect life, and she's trying to keep her daughter's life perfect as well. And how do you do that? So, and, and what, if there, what if your own career has put your family in danger? And that's what her perfect right. life is also about. So that's where that came from. So am I in it? 
yes and no. Certainly, you know, Lily is a reporter, and she does reporter things, and there's nothing in that, there's nothing in the book that wouldn't actually happen, and I hear that from a lot of people, how authentic it feels. But what you don't Mm -hmm. know from watching television is the emotion of the people on the air, the emotion and the fear and the dread and the danger and the vulnerability um, and, and the worry about their family. That's, uh, and that's what I was trying to illustrate in the book. I mean, it's a thriller. It's a, you know, it's a fast-paced, page-turning thriller. I want you to sort of miss your stop on the subway because you're reading it. <laughs> but it, underneath that, underneath that, it's a story about fame and revenge. You know, you talked about, and here's my final thing, then I'll stop talking. Um, you talked about those Emmys that I won. And that's right. great. And we've done a lot of good. With We've done a lot of good. Every one of those Emmys represents a story that really changed someone's life for the better, no question. But they also represent someone's secret that I told, someone's secret that right. they didn't want me to tell. And that's made me some enemies. So right. there are people who are not happy with me and who are not happy with my stories. And what might they do? And that's exactly the situation that Lily, an investigative reporter, is also in, that she's made some enemies along the way. And might one of those people be the one who's getting back at her? Or is it something else, something that she never could have predicted? And that's, again, what her perfect life is about. Oh, I love it. It sounds fantastic. I hope everyone is clicking that buy now button. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I do too. Right? Uh, So I wanted to ask you a little bit about this kind of dovetails into that, about your writing journey. You had this, or you still have this big investigative journalism career. What made you decide, I think I want to write my own stories, you know, and make up my own news kind of thing. What did your writing journey look like? Well, that's a really good question because, it really illustrates how different all of ours are from each other, the the rhythm of it and the metabolism of it, how different they are. Um, I didn't start writing fiction until I was 55, uh, 15 years ago, crazily enough. And I, I was at Channel 7, at my desk at Channel 7, just one regular office day. And I, and I know you'll understand this, Lisa. I just had a really good idea for a book. I just had, it was just a good idea. You know how it feels when you have mm-hmm. a good idea. Right. And, yeah, you, and, and your whole brain away. goes, yeah, your whole brain says, <laughs> wow, that's a, that's not, that's a, that'll work. You know, that'll work. <laughs> and the more I thought about that, the more I thought about that story, the more I knew it was a good story and the more I knew it was fodder for a novel. And that very night, I came home and said to my husband, I've got a great idea for a novel. I'm going to write a mystery. I've got this. I mean, I totally have this. I was so naive and so confident. Um, and my husband says, my husband says, sweetheart, you know, do you know how to write a book? And I said, ah, how hard can it be? You know, I've read a million of these. Um, and I remember it perfectly because, I, again, I was such a newbie. I had no idea what I was getting into. But I right. knew it was a good idea. And I just, I was obsessed. I was compelled. You know, I, I could, you could not tear me away from my computer. I was going to write this book. And I did, and that turned out to be Primetime, my first novel, which won the Agatha for Best First Novel. Um, and that was the beginning of my crime fiction career 
and now I'm, you know, now I'm writing book 14, which is crazy. And, but you see, I didn't, I wasn't sitting somewhere thinking, ooh, I've got to think of an idea. I've got to think of an idea. That wasn't what happened. This idea, right. and I'm a firm believer in it. I, I was open to having an idea, but I didn't, I wasn't looking for it. And the universe right. presented me an idea, and I just said, okay, thank you. I will take that. Um, and I, I don't know how one, I don't know how that happens. I don't know how ideas emerge. I don't know why, but that's, you asked me about my writing journey and that's what happened to me. I just had a good idea and I recognized it. I love it. it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to tell you, I was lucky enough that I got to meet Ray Bradbury a couple of times before he died mm-hmm. and he was so passionate about writing that, you know, he'd just make you cry just talking about the written word and that kind of thing. And he talked about something so similar to that. He believed that there was a super conscious and it had, you know, stories have been around since before humans had a written language. And he felt like there's the super conscious. And when there is a story that it wants told, you know, it sends it out. That's why he thought movie studios would suddenly have, you know, two movies that are similar. You know, it wanted that out there like everyone's doing Snow White or everyone's doing, you know, a, a, an asteroid hitting the earth and that kind of thing. And he believed that with books. And he said, if you're brave enough to just let it download and you put it out there, you know, that's how he thought it it worked. So yeah, you don't chase it. It it finds you and then you, you go with it. And I love that you were open to it and it just, you know, <laughs> downloaded in and there you went now you're a novelist <laughs> I, I embrace that you know I embrace that I I, I think it's very I, I love how each person who has who is thoughtful about it figures out their own way to describe what it is that's happened because the way our minds work is pretty mystical and pretty mysterious right. I'm sure it's I mean I know it's science and I know it's silly right. physiology, and I know whatever, however much we understand about our brains. But, you know, it is interesting how suddenly there'll be five books about, you know, thrillers on a campus or five books right. about somebody, a teacher plagiarizing a book, and they're all different. They're all different, but it's still that the same idea. milieu, and you wonder, where did that come from? And right. you could say it's a, co- it's a coincidence. But you could also say that there's, you know, there are things that we don't understand. I mean, there's no question about that. I mean, wonderfully so. And so maybe right. that's just, I just got goosebumps saying that. And maybe that's one of the things. Maybe ideas right. come from some, you know, cosmic idea thing, which in yeah. itself, hooray, and come over, please. You know, right? <laughs> right. I'm in the I mean, middle I, of the know, book. I could use some. <laughs> you know, it is. I mean, I do have that. I know this sounds so silly, but, you know, I when I teach, I say, you know, the idea will emerge when when you're ready for it, when you're ready to mm-hmm. receive it. But there are days when I sort of look at the sky and think, I'm ready. <laughs> you know, any time <laughs> now would be really yes. nice for that. Yes. My lap is open. Let's do this. Exactly, exactly. And my deadline's looming. Right, right. Yeah, those deadlines. Um, I was going to ask you, too, you have a couple other series with, um, I think they're mysteries, Charlotte Charlotte McNally and Jane Ryland. Do you have any more books cooking for those, or are those complete? People could binge read through the whole thing. 
Oh, well, that's a good way of looking at it. You can binge read through the Charlie McNally series, Primetime, FaceTime, Airtime, and Drive Time. I love those books. They're fast-paced, sort of not lighthearted, but a lighter sensibility, sort of Nick and Nora Charles, sort of Boston investigative reporter. But they're fun. They're funny. They're first person. I love those. And that one, golly, that's the one that won the Agatha and every one of them was in, was nominated for the Anthony and the Agatha, if I remember. And I love them. They're great. Then there are the five Jane Ryland series, the first of which the other woman won the Mary Higgins Clark Award. And there, there is a contract now for a sixth at least of those. Oh, yeah. So there may be another okay. Jane Ryland at some point, but there are two more standalones coming first. So oh, okay. I would say that's binge-worthy. The Jane Ryland series are binge-worthy right now. Two of those won the Agatha for Best Novel of the Year. So I'm oh, very, proud, very proud of that. But the same thing happened with Trust Me, my first standalone Trust Me. I just had this good idea. And I, and I called my editor and I said, I know I have a contract for another, another Jane Ryland book, and, I'm, and I really want to do that. But I said, it was actually my agent. And I said, but listen to this. Here's an idea. And she said, oh, yeah, you're going to write that first. Hang on. And, you know, (laughs) soon after there was a contract for this first standalone, and that was Trust Me. And that was the beginning of my writing standalones. The the more I talk to you, the more I think, wow, so much of this is a rhythm that I didn't really think about. But it's a rhythm of ideas. Yeah. Yeah, we can't see it when we're in it. But when you stand back, you're like, oh, (laughs) you can see a theme. Exactly. So I wanted to ask you, do you find inspiration in headlines of stories that you do? Do you jot things down so you remember them for later? Do you do your two careers feed off each other a little bit? They do, certainly they do. I'm also always, you know, moving headlines into my story idea uh, email file. But I I'm not sure I ever use them. I mean, like, that sounds kind of crazy. I'm always thinking about the stories and I'm always um, saving them, but I wonder if it's just some sort of a compost thing of ideas where, yes, my my brain is always sort of searching for them, but I've never found a book idea that way. It sort of works the okay. other way. And sometimes even I'll have a book idea, and this goes right to what you were saying and what Ray Bradbury was saying. Sometimes I'll have a book idea, and I'll think, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And then two weeks later I'll see a news story about essentially the same thing. And that, oh, that's, that's, even, weird. that's even weirder. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it does show you, shows you that, though, proves there's something that's out there. But I do think, you know, after 40-some years of doing the news, you know, I've seen people lie and I've visited people in prison and had people, you know, admit to murder. And, you know, I've been in SWAT teams and hurricanes and fires and had stalkers and people push me down and all those kinds of things. And I threatened and stalked and called at home and followed home and all those kinds of things. So all that just goes into the compost heap of my brain. And then a brand new story comes out. Oh, it's like a Rubik's Cube. You know, you take the little the little colored squares of your life and click, 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 click. And at some point, all, they click together in a certain way. They, they never click together before. And there's your idea and there's your story. I love it. Well, really quick, 
for the people who are listening who are trying to write their first book or or are thinking about it, uh, do you tend to be a big plotter for your thrillers, or do you let them, you know, unleash as they go? Are you a pantser and and just you know follow the story where it goes, or a bit of both? You know, you, you know, George Martin, who wrote Game of Thrones, said there are two kinds of writers: the architects and the gardeners. And the architects mm-hmm. have a structure, and they build their story on the structure. The gardeners plant the seed and see what grows. And I'm totally a gardener. I'll start with one oh, good me idea. Too. Yeah, are you okay? And you see, but isn't that yeah. a perfect image? So I, I have a mm-hmm. good idea. I type chapter one, and I think, okay, you know, here we go. And when right. people say to me, wow, the twist in her perfect life, the ending of her perfect life, I never saw that coming. I say, I know. Wasn't that a surprise? You know, talk about a surprise ending or a surprise twist within. I surprise myself every time. And I'm so happy about that. Sue Grafton used to call that the magic, that if you just let your brain go to work, the story will emerge. And so I'm always in search of the story, whether it's on television or whether it's in fiction. And I have confidence story will emerge when the time is right so for first-time writers or beginning writers just do it just write stuff down you can fix it later it doesn't have to be perfect the first moment you put it on the page I agree well we're quickly running out of time and again before the show started I was telling Hank you know last every time you're on I think gosh we could talk so much longer but (laughs) we're running out of time how can Uh, readers get in touch with you where do you like to um, you know talk to readers I'm always on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram constantly I'm easy to find at Hank P Ryan or Hank Philip P Ryan author always 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 my website is hankphilippyryan.com, and um, if you click on contact on hankphilippyryan.com, it comes straight to me with nobody in between. So I will happily read your email and answer you. If you, if you contact me through my website, click on contact, it comes right to me. Oh, I love that. Well, thanks so much for being on. I hope that you will return with the next book, and good luck with Her Perfect Life. It sounds fantastic. Well, I hope so. I'm very proud of it, and I'm so grateful to be chatting with you today, Lisa. You're always wonderful. Thanks. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.